Welcome to Two Inches Off the Ground. When you are enlightened, you live your life two inches off the ground. Please remember to tell a friend about this podcast because that's how this podcast will gain more listeners is word of mouth. Also remember a five-star review on Apple Podcasts goes such a long way and I so appreciate it. And for the algorithm, if you can, please subscribe. So today we are talking spirit marriage with Renee Fleury. I was so excited to have her on. She really broke open what it's like to be involved in a relationship with a spiritual being. And I was just so blown away by her honesty and the fact that she is telling us exactly what it's like to have a physical relationship with a spiritual being and how she's able to do that. And also how this is a loving, supportive relationship, but you know, not without any type of tribulations and trials as humans also do. She also talks about why her spiritual being is involved with a human. What are the benefits for the spiritual being? It's such a fascinating topic because I know people personally who are involved in relationships with spiritual beings. They can be romantic, they can be platonic. And this episode is for the listeners who are involved with spiritual beings and they don't know where to go or who to talk about it with and they feel alone. We want you to know that you're not alone and Renee 100% understands what you're going through and has been going through this for 13 years in a positive way. Renee Fleury, also called White Wolf, is a druid horticulturalist, photographer, and published author. She gives educational programs on horticulture, poisonous plants, and the vast world of the metaphysical. Her background is in cultural anthropology, and she has studied many world religions. On a personal level, her belief system is in Hinduism and Druidry, while honoring her Cherokee and Algonquin ancestry. Renee places special emphasis on mental health and working through trauma, and of course, she encourages anyone having difficulties to seek professional help. Her life experiences have made her a compassionate listener and spiritual guide to anyone looking to find their path. Welcome, Renee. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Jennifer? It's so good to see you after all these years. I know. It's been it's been like eight years. So this Too is awesome. long. Too long. And I just want everyone to know, and Renee's gonna be on another episode, is I am always been impressed by Renee as a writer. We met each other, I think, through the writing group, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I did. Renee is a real writer. She is someone who just keeps at it and her writing keeps getting better and better and better. And uh, you're a metaphysical author. And we're going to get into that in the other episode. We're talking about something different today. But uh, we're going to have you guys tune into that in December because Renee is coming back in December, which is going to be so exciting. So anyway, let's move on to what we're talking about today, spirit marriage. I'm getting chills already. And I am so excited to talk about this, Renee, because 
I think a lot of people, this happens to a lot of metaphysical people, and they're too scared to come out and say, hey, I am in this relationship with this spiritual being. I don't get what's going on. Sometimes it can be romantic. Sometimes it's platonic. I have a friend where it's a very platonic relationship, but it's still a very close relationship. They're more like brother and sister. So I think that you coming on today, you're so brave. I love that you're telling your story, and you. I hope you realize you're making people feel like they're not alone. Thank you. I I hope so. And I have had people come to me and say, hey, I really don't know what's, on, what's going on, but they're friends who know me and they may know a little bit about what my story is, you know, if they don't understand it completely. And I've been able to tell them, you're not crazy. This is something that happens, and more often than not in their cases, it is completely platonic, and it ends up being maybe an ancestor that's trying to get through to them. But it's a similar situation, and it's a relief for them to hear it. And so, as crazy as sometimes the other side might make me feel, I'm grateful. (laughs) Not, Not crazy in, like, the actually crazy, not crazy in, like, the mentally ill sense or anything, just it is a lot. But even though it is a lot, it is a great thing for me, and I believe that it has done nothing but help me grow and it now helping other people grow on their journeys. Love that. Love that. So let's get into it. Let's talk about what spirit marriage is. Spirit marriage is the bonded and often intimate relationship between a human and otherworldly being or extraordinary being, according to Dr. Megan Rose, PhD and transformational psychologist who is also involved in a spirit marriage herself. By the way, I saw her on the Gaia TV program, open minds. According to Rose, the first known spirit marriage occurred in Mesopotamia when the priest would marry the goddess Inanna. In today's world, I'm hearing more and more of spirit marriages or relationships. In fact, as I said before, they can be platonic relationships too. Also, I've had a sexual experience with a spiritual being several years ago, but you know, I'll get to that juicy fact later. For this episode, if you are like Renee, who is involved in a spirit marriage, please know that you're not alone and the metaphysical community understands you. Saying all this, Renee, how did you meet your partner? That was thir- over 13 years ago. I was doing research on um, the stone chambers, which are fascinating little megalithic structures that are in New York and New England and that's a whole other story for another time but I was just finding my way um my my own spiritual path Uh, I was 21 I was just experiencing a lot of this stuff for the first time even though I did grow up with it knowing full well that there is this other side my parents were very cool and open about that I happened to go to this beautiful recreational spot called Mount Nibham and it's become like a spiritual home for me. I love it there. And, oh, isn't it? It's amazing. And there's, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens up on Ninham. I just started visiting the mountain and I went to the stone chamber that is up there. For whatever reason, I went in and I wanted to kind of meditate and communicate with the spirits whomever came through I just wanted to know if there was anybody there I tried to get into a meditation and just 
communicate, I guess, with like maybe even just the mountain itself. The being that came through and took me completely by surprise was this really like he had a, a deep voice and it was it was him. He showed himself to me at first when I asked him. He wasn't very forthcoming with anything, but he was there and um, I had his attention. And I said, well, can you show me what you look like? He showed me it was a mental image of a gray alien, which he isn't. But that's what he showed to me. And I was freaked out by that. I broke my connection and I gave myself a moment and I said, okay, if that is who and what you truly are, okay. And so I went back in and I was amazingly able to reconnect and he was still there and I said, okay, I can accept if that's who you are. I'm just grateful that you've chosen to speak with me at all. That was the very beginning. It became clear pretty quickly that he wasn't an alien. He was something completely different. I had no idea, no concept of what he was, but he was something not human. He wasn't a ghost either, and I didn't really care. It was like, okay, well, you're interesting. So I went back in and repeatedly tried to contact this being. More often than not, was successful, and it just grew from there. He comes to you in this meditative state. You're in the chamber, and you're there, so do you talk to him? Do you have a conversation at first? Do you have a long conversation? How does that go? We had, it was like, it was 13 years ago. I don't really remember, but I, <laughs> I do, I do remember it being kind of brief at first. But at first it was the only way that I thought I could speak with him was through the stone chamber because that's where I first encountered him. And I didn't know much about this stuff. I just knew that it was probably not in my head. I eventually worked with it enough. It's like a muscle. You know, the more you work with this stuff, the better you become at it. And so I grew accustomed to uh, communicating with with him. He became very comfortable to me. It was very easy after a while. I didn't quite have to get into such a, a deep meditation in order to connect. And then it would be, I would be outside of the chamber and be able to realize I could just kind of put my hand on the door and communicate with them. And then I'd be anywhere on the mountain until one day I realized that I had a very strong connection with this being. I was at home one day and I felt like maybe he was kind of around. I just felt that presence that I'd grown accustomed to feeling only up on the mountain and I said, wait a minute, can I talk with you anywhere? And he said, yes, we can communicate anytime you'd like. I really started to wonder why am I talking with this being? Who is he? And I did say, it was like, look, dude, I know that you're not an alien. And I know that you came to me in that form because at the time, like I was afraid of aliens. It was a really weird thing like because i have stories of <laughs> alien abduction of my family i know I, like, I get it yeah yeah they're freaky <laughs> so it was kind of just an exercise in accepting someone for who they truly are which became the theme of our relationship um the more i got to know him the more i realized 
uh, he's kind of a trip. And there's a lot of things that if I wanted to continue communicating with him, I would have to accept about him. And of course that developed over a course of several years, you know, getting to know someone. And he eventually revealed that he was my spirit guide, my primary spirit guide. I know that we all have several, I'm sure. He is what a lot of people might call like a guardian spirit. Um, in Islam and the Quran, it is referred to as the Karin, which is a jinn that is born with um, or, or assigned to a person at the time of their birth. And him, turns out he is a jinn. I would call him my Karin. Actually, in uh, Arab folklore, the Karin, in some cases, is of the opposite sex. And sometimes people do end up falling in love with their Karin, their guide. And there are stories in Arab lore, uh, well known, of human and jinn marriage. So this is something that's not new to human history. It's come a long way from those early days up on the mountain. Absolutely. And it sounds like such a beautiful supportive relationship where you can speak to this being anytime you want. You can get support anytime you want. So that's very different than a human relationship. And I find that very fascinating. Dr. Rose also says there's a lot of negotiation in a relationship with a spiritual being. Is this true? There is. One thing I do want to mention, though, is I do get a lot of support and love from him. And I try to give that to him as much as I humanly can. But he's not, he's not always there. It's not something, sometimes he just flat out isn't there. It's like you pick up the phone and they don't answer. Ah. <laughs> and it is, it has become to me no different than any other regular human relationship I have ever been in. Wow. And uh, except the, the depths of which that I, I feel, emotion, spiritually, that I think transcends something that I can't quite put into words. That being said, there are there is definitely a lot of negotiation that goes on. Um, he's kind of a bastard. <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> our audio is going to go out right now, right? Because you just said that. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> I'm not going to sugarcoat the way that he is. He's um, he's difficult to deal with, and there is a lot of negotiation that goes on in our everyday life. I do try to have regular romantic relationships with normal people. Sometimes. Other times I just really like being, you know, in quotes, single. It's pretty great. And I have had regular successful relationships that just ran their course. It's difficult at times because there have there has to be communication. There have to be, I guess, kind of rules set so that nobody gets hurt. He gets very jealous of anybody that I am with. He's come a long way in that he's worked through that, mostly. It's still there. But there would be things like, well, hey, I'm going to be dating for a while because I feel like having human contact. And he'll be like, well, you got to run them by me first. Yeah, I have mm -hmm. to approve. And at first I was like, what? I'm not going to listen to you. No way. And then I kind of fell into it. And the ones that he said no on... I didn't listen, and they ended up being really bad, really bad. And I'm like, all right, 
either I'm not listening to my intuition and just doing it to myself or you are absolutely right and it's not controlling I don't mean for it to sound controlling but I learned to trust him I'm like okay if you really don't like this one I guess we're gonna leave it alone but I also grew to have a better relationship with myself in that way so that I'm not getting into these bad situations. I like that quality that he has because I don't see it as controlling. I see it as more spirit guide looking over you. Yeah. I I see it more that way and telling you and guiding you to embrace your intuition. You know, a lot of times as humans, we paint red flags white. And let me tell you something, Renee, before this husband, who's a saint, uh, pretty much, I I painted every red flag white. I was that person. I was attracted to narcissists. It has a lot to do with the abuse I dealt with when I was young. So that's a whole nother story. And we're attracted to what we know. You know, if you're abused when you're young, you're going to keep going back to that and back to that because it's subconscious. So I love that you have this being who supports you and can help you with that. I would have loved to have someone help me with that because I was like, oh no, this is a great guy, but the guy wasn't so great. So I appreciate that. I'm going to ask you this question if you cannot answer it because I know you and your partner have a, what's the word? A union's not the right word. You have an agreement of where certain things can be talked about, certain things cannot. Can you give me an example of a negotiation that you've gone through that he's comfortable with you saying? I am sure I have a few of those. Oh, now he's... Ah. Now you decided to join the party. The thing that I am not willing to budge on now is he comes first. He is there. I'm like, I put myself first. I've learned to put myself first, but in terms of partners, he comes first. And um, we're both fairly monogamous. I'm not really into polyamory, and neither is he. But I do need to set aside time for him. And you're talking he as in the spiritual being. Yeah, as in uh, the jinn. He is, you can call him D. That's what I just call him, just D. Just D. That's what I call him anyway, every day. As long as I make time for D and make time for us as a couple and accept that he has needs, he has emotions, then we're mostly good. But he also has a big problem with me constantly trying to substitute what I already have here with him, but in a human partner. It's my own need to feel normal, I guess, even though I've accepted that my life isn't really normal, and that's pretty cool. But Mm -hmm. he's different, and we're always going to be different, but I'm trying to make up for what I'm lacking there, even though he doesn't think that I'm lacking in anything. I don't know if that makes any sense. Okay. 
Gotcha. So I want to move on. I once had a sexual experience with a spirit being. I remember everything. This non-binary being came to me in one of the most vivid and lucid dreams of my life. And that's how we connected physically. However, astral projection expert Robert Monroe discussed in his books how he meets beans on the astral plane and connects with them physically there. Does your partner come to you mostly in your dreams or on the astral plane? And is that how you maintain the relationship physically? We do connect on the astral plane. I can remember more often than not when that happens. Sometimes when I wake up, it's the residual feeling of, oh, that happened. Um, so there's there's a lot of that. But we have had practice making it work here in our plane of existence because as a human, I want to be able to experience things physically. It's something we don't quite see eye to eye on, but um, we never will. He is not human. I'll make that very clear. These beings are not like us. They don't even think like us. He tries to be like us as much as he possibly can so that we can relate. There's the idea of Tantra, which yep. Americans tend to think of tantric sex as something amazing and incredible. And it can be, but Tantra is sting. the energy flow. Yeah, yep. Everyone thinks, thinks of, sting. of Sting. And I think Sting came out and said, I don't, I don't know where this rumor got started. I don't even do that. So that's what I've heard. So anyway, continue. Tantra. So Tantra, it's um, the idea of um, energy flowing you know, through the physical and the spiritual being and combining the two as one. So in order for us to have sex and to make it work here in my reality, I do have to get into what's known as Tantric sex. It's a deeply meditative experience where I have to get myself almost into a trance-like state and I'm not able to do that often because I have so many other things going on. We have so many different things going on through our head, so I really have to clear the space in my mind, do some yoga beforehand, and then if I'm feeling up for it, I'm like, all right, all right, let's do this. And that to me is very gratifying. It's very satisfying. And even though it's not all the time, it is very real and it's unlike anything else. I've ever experienced. So that is the way that we, for the most part, maintain a physical relationship. And then to fill in the blanks, I guess there's there's the astral plane. And he makes himself known, though, not just sexually, because there's plenty of times when I want nothing to do with that. I just need him there for support. He'll make himself known. He has a very unique presence. It's very heavy. It's very palpable. And it's often as simple as just someone's hand on my shoulder or giving me a hug when I need it most. And that's a really beautiful thing about our relationship. And he will take me by surprise. Like it always, it's still after 13 years completely takes me by surprise when he does that. It works. It works. And I get it because I had that sexual experience with the spiritual being. And I understand what you're saying about the Tantra, because I think because I was in such a lucid dream state, and I have a feeling, Renee, you and I are very alike. I always remember my dreams. I'm super lucid dreamer, 
the whole thing. And, but this one was extra, extra. And I think I had gotten myself into such a tantric state for lack of a better word that I allowed my body for that to happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it's funny because I never thought of what we were doing as tantric sex until I, until I read up on Tantra one day and I'm like, oh, that's the thing. (laughs) And that's what it is. It's a merging of the physical and the spiritual to create a truly fulfilling and outstanding experience. And it also makes sense that if you're doing it on the astral plane or dream state or however you're having this experience, that it's not something that's done all the time because yeah, it takes energy to do it. You have to be in the right state. You know, Renee, you and I have to pay bills and shit. Like (laughs) we don't have time every day for that. So totally understand. Thank you for explaining that to us and explaining it to my listeners. Cause sometimes they would be like, okay, how would you do this physically? So thank you for explaining that. It's a very common question people have all the time. So I'm glad that yeah. we were able to cover that. Good. And I wanted to cover that in a respectful way as well. So I think Dee's happy. You froze as you were talking about, you started to talk about the support and the screen froze. So I know he was there saying, yeah, I'm supportive. I support her. I'm there. Dr. He's Rose. A good man. <laughs> I, he is a good man. He's a good, well, he's a good gin. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, he's like, nope, man. I'm like, okay, you're a man. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, man. So Dr. Rose also says, the spirit being wants to experience the human body, especially the five senses. As a human, what do you get out of the relationship? They do really enjoy having a human experience through us, and that is done through channeling. So it's a give and take for both of us. I would like to answer that question for the both of us. What I get out of it is I get that sense of fulfillment that there is a incredible being like to me I'd never experienced anything like this until I met him and I think that's why uh it kind of dragged me in so deeply and so quickly as it did back then I just I get to know that there is somebody there for me and it's something that I often lose sight of actually you know there are times when I still do feel lonely like we all do we have our moments where we feel like we're the only one in the world but it does help to remind myself sometimes of no if i'm really in that dire of a state like you are there and he's pulled me out of some really dark places where i otherwise would have had an extremely difficult time coming out of them i have gotten a lot of spiritual guidance i have grown significantly as a result of knowing him i get to share my life And just some of my experiences with somebody that I care about, that I will always love. And for him, he gets to experience what it's like to be a human being. Like I said earlier, they are not human. He is a djinn. They can look and act human very easily. They're known shapeshifters. Um, he can look like whoever he wants. Usually his form, his human form, is completely consistent. He looks the way he looks. He claims he was born like that, although I'm not really sure how that works. Um, <laughs> and 
if he wants to eat something, he's like, what do you got? Well, what is that? That smells good. What is that? And if I'm drinking tea, one of his favorite things is this red herbal tea that I have. He can. I'll channel. I am a medium. I let him channel through me and experience that. If he really wants to come in and, like, I guess almost act as me while we're sharing something together, he likes to complain that I'm very small and he doesn't have any, any, any room. And it's a give and take. I, I don't know that he gets any energy, any nourishment out of it, but he certainly gets the enjoyment of not only being with somebody that he loves, but of experiencing food, drinks, and things that he otherwise probably wouldn't be able to, or it would be very difficult for him to do otherwise. And he has relationships with uh, some of my friends, too, who are able to see and speak with him. Hmm. And it gives him a sense of companionship, which I know he'd been severely lacking, I suppose, for uh, for a very long time, at least, until we develop our own relationship. Interesting, because that's what I've heard about these spiritual beings, that sometimes as humans, we forget that the human experience can be magnificent. You know, we're sitting here, we're paying our bills, we're, you know, maybe having problems with relationships, uh, we got a flat tire, and we forget all that. But the fact that we can touch and we can taste and we have all our five senses, it's something very special to these beings. So the fact that, you know, he does that with the tea and everything. I absolutely love that. I also want to clarify very quickly for the interest of time is what a gin is. And a gin back in the day was known as a genie. So genie, pop out of the bottle, it's a gin. It had sometimes a super positive connotation or sometimes a super negative connotation where gins were the E word. D, we're not saying this about you at all, but the, the connotation was evil. What is a gin to you, Renee? They are in Arab folklore. Um, they predate Islam, so I'm going to call it um, Arab Middle Eastern folklore, and you can certainly find them in India as well. They are known as the beings made of smokeless fire, so they're said to be made of some sort of element that gives them the appearance of fire or smoke. In his case, yes, I've seen his natural form. He looks almost like a wispy, translucent white cloud. It's very flame-like. And they were said to be the people who were here before us. Maybe in Celtic folklore, they were known as the Fae. Um, and they have a lot of similarities with other beings all over the world in multiple different cultures, some of which grant wishes, not just the genie from Aladdin. Um, <laughs> he does not grant wishes. That is a, I want to say, almost 100% a product of fiction and of actual folklore. I suppose they could, but if they were to ask you, or they were to say they were going to grant you a wish, I would uh, not want to agree to that. And they're known to be tricksters yep. and shapeshifters. Yep. So, yeah. so I think that they are definitely a very ancient race of beings. Um, I think that the lore does have a lot of truth in it. 
but as opposed to, compared to what we in our Western culture would call a genie, it couldn't be further from the truth. They're not these happy-go-lucky, tap-dancing beings that pop out of a lamp like what you would see in Aladdin. They're a lot like us. They can be good, bad, and everything in between. And for the most part, that the term jinn means like that which is hidden. For the most part, they do want to be left alone. They're on their side of the veil. We are on ours. And they wish to remain hidden from the world. And he's no different. He is a bit of a trickster. He is an asshole. He <laughs> does have grand wishes. He prefers his anonymity and to remain hidden as much as he can. But to the people that do know him, he also simultaneously wants you to know that he's there. Thank you for clarifying that because people get confused by the word jinn. So spiritual being, just like humans, you get your good ones, you get your bad ones, you get your tricksters, you get the whole thing. So thank you for clarifying that. So Renee, what is your advice that you would give to anyone entering a spirit marriage? I would have to say, first of all, you're not crazy. Go with your intuition and... Always be careful what you wish for. And that doesn't just go for the gin. It goes back to the negotiation. Just be careful. Understand what you're getting into. But know that you are not alone. And there are people out there like me that will be willing to share their experiences and help you through it. Thank you so much. This is amazing just hearing you talk about this. And we want everyone to follow you and find you. So please give us the places we can find you. As I always say to my guests, please limit it to one or two because otherwise it's just too much. So I don't know if you want to do um, Instagram handle and website or whatever you want to do, Renee. You can find me on, I have three different websites, but <laughs> uh, you can find me through sheofthemountain.com. That one has the link to the other two and to all my social medias. And you can find me, follow me on TikTok. Ah. I talk a lot about this stuff, not a whole lot, but I do talk about this on there. I do talk about him if you want to know a little bit more. I am Druid of Mount Arsenic. It's a bunch of underscores in there. I know it'll be in the show notes. Yes. So look there and definitely go to sheofthemountain.com, um, which is my newest website. And that's got the links to everything else. Until next time. Live your life two inches off the ground. <laughs>